The Guardian. The Guardian Short Stories Podcast. I'm Anita Desai and I'm going to be reading a short story called The Postmaster by Rabindranath Tagore. Ulapur was the postmaster's first assignment. The village was an extremely insignificant one, but there was an indigo factory nearby. Its European owner had made a great effort to get this post office established. Our postmaster was from Calcutta. Coming from such a metropolis, he was like a fish out of water. His office was a dark thatched shed near a pond covered with water weeds and surrounded by jungle. The manager and other employees of the factory had almost no leisure and in any case were not fit company for a gentleman. Not that our son of Calcutta had the knack of mingling with strangers. In an unfamiliar place he became either arrogant or ill at ease. There was little work to keep him occupied. Sometimes he attempted to write a poem or two. These expressed sentiments about days passed happily in contemplation of new leaves trembling on the trees and clouds in the sky. But God knows if overnight some genie from an Arabian tale had stripped the trees of leaves and branches, built a paved road and blotted out the clouds and sky with rows of tall buildings, this half-dead gentleman would have sprung to life. The postmaster's salary was truly meagre. He had to cook for himself, and an orphan girl from the village carried out other chores in exchange for her meals. Her name was Ratan. She was twelve or thirteen years old. There was no real prospect of her marrying. While he rested in the evening, smoke coiled upward from the village cowsheds, crickets chirped in the bushes, and from a village further off came the beating of drums and cymbals and the unearthly high-pitched songs of intoxicated bowls. Then, sitting alone in the darkness, if he saw a tree shiver, even this poet's heart beat a little faster. He would light a feeble lamp in a corner of the room and cry, Ratan! Ratan, waiting outside the door, would be expecting his call, but would not come at the first summons. She would say, What is it, Dada Babu? What do you want? What are you doing? I'm lighting the oven. Leave it for now. Go and prepare my hookah and bring it in. Soon Ratan would come in with her cheeks puffed out, blowing over the coals of the hookah. Taking it from her, the postmaster would ask casually, Well, Ratan, do you remember your mother? 
This was the cue for a long story. Some of it Ratan could recall well, some she could not. She remembered her father a little, for he had loved her more than her mother had. He would return at the end of a hard day, and her memories of a few of those evenings were as sharp as a painting. While talking, Ratan would gradually settle on the floor at the postmaster's feet. She recalled a little brother. Once on a rainy day they had pretended to fish in a puddle with a broken twig. This memory was more distinct than those of many serious events. During these conversations it sometimes became very late. The postmaster, feeling lazy, would not want to cook, and Ratan would quickly lay the fire and toss some rotis, which they would eat with curry left over from the morning meal. On other evenings the postmaster would sit on a wooden stool in a corner of his shed and talk of home, of his small brother, his mother and his sister, those for whom his heart yearned as he lived alone in this alien place. They were always on his mind, and there was no question of mentioning them to the officials of the indigo factory. To share them with an illiterate child was a different matter altogether. Quite soon in their talks, Ratan came to refer to the postmaster's relatives as mother, sister, brother, as though she had always known them, and she pictured them in her childish imagination. One cloudless day in the monsoon, when a soft wind blew, the grass lay moist in the sunshine, and fragrance drifted from the trees. He felt the warm breathing of the languid earth, while somewhere unknown a persistent bird kept up a noontime recital on a single plaintive note. The postmaster had nothing to do. The rain-soaked foliage danced and shimmered in the wind, and the sunlit clouds piled themselves in layers, like survivors from the vanquished storm, truly a sight to behold. The postmaster reflected, if only right now someone dear to me were here, one human companion I could love. Gradually the idea came to him that the solitary bird was saying the same thing, over and over again, and that the murmuring leaves of the shade trees were repeating the same message to the midday sun. No one would have believed or been able to comprehend that such an idea could occur to an underpaid postmaster of a village in the back of beyond during the secluded siesta hours. He sighed and called Ratan. She sat sprawled under a guava tree, eating the unripe fruit. Her master's voice brought her running. Panting, she said, Dada Babu, you called? He remarked, I've been thinking of teaching you a little reading. And so all that afternoon he taught her the vowels. Ah, ah. Within a very few days she reached the double consonants. The showers of Shravan were unceasing. Canals, marshes and drains overflowed. Day and night were filled with the hissing of rain and the croaking of frogs. 
The village parts were almost impassable. People had to go to market by boat. One morning the rain began early. The postmaster's pupil sat waiting for quite a while at his door. But when no one called her in the normal way, she picked up her basket of books and gingerly went inside. She saw the postmaster sleep on his cot, apparently resting, so she very quietly started to retreat. All of a sudden he called out, Ratan! She turned back and said, Dada Babu, were you sleeping? He said weakly, I don't feel well. Will you feel my forehead? In his grim exile, in the gloom of the monsoon, he longed for human attention. He savoured a memory of a soft touch from a bangled hand on a feverish forehead. Filled with self-pity, he ached for his loving mother's and sister's company, and he did not wish in vain. Ratan was a child no longer. She assumed a mother's role, called a doctor, administered pills on time, stayed awake all night by her patient's bedhead, cooked him his prescribed diet, and asked him a hundred times, Are you feeling a little better now, Tada Babu? Many days later, the postmaster, now very thin, rose from his sickbed and emerged outside. He decided, no more of this. Somehow he must get a transfer. Citing the unhealthfulness of the post, he sent a petition to the authorities in Calcutta. Ratan, now discharged as nurse, had resumed her place outside the door. But no one called as before. Occasionally, when she peeped in, the postmaster would be sitting in his chair or lying on his cot, extremely preoccupied. While Ratan awaited his summons, he impatiently awaited a reply to his petition. The little girl reread her lessons a thousand times, afraid that if the call should come without warning, she would muddle up the double consonants. At last, one evening, a week later, it came. With a bursting heart, Ratan said, Dada Babu, you called me? Ratan, he said, I am leaving tomorrow. Where are you going, Dada Babu? I am going home. When will you come back? I am not coming back. Ratan asked nothing more. The postmaster went on to say that he had applied for a transfer and that it had been denied. Therefore, he had resigned and was going home. For some time, neither of them spoke. The lamp flickered, and at one point in the room, rain dripped steadily from the decrepit thatched roof into a clay saucer placed on the floor. Then Ratan very slowly got up and went into the kitchen to make rotis. She was not as brisk about it as she had formerly been. Perhaps some new thoughts had crept into her mind since then. After the postmaster had eaten his meal, the small girl asked abruptly, Dada Babu, will you take me home with you? The postmaster laughed. What a notion! 
he did not consider it necessary to explain to the child why the proposal was so absurd. All night long, sleeping and waking, the orphan girl was haunted by the laughing reply, What a notion! When the postmaster woke in the morning, he found his bath already prepared. He'd kept up his Calcutta habit of bathing in stored water instead of going to the river. For whatever reason, Ratan had not been able to bring herself to ask what time he would leave. So that the water might be ready at daybreak, she had fetched it from the river during the night. The postmaster took his bath. Then Ratan was called. Silently she entered, looked up at her master's face and waited for his command. He said, Ratan, I will tell my successor to take care of you as I did. Don't worry about my going. He spoke affectionately and compassionately, no doubt. But who understands the female heart? Ratan had endured many scoldings without a word, but these kind words she could not bear. Tears welled up from her overflowing heart, and she cried, No, no, don't say anything about me to anyone. I don't want to stay here. The postmaster had never seen her behave like this. He was astonished. The new postmaster arrived. The former postmaster on the point of leaving, explained the responsibilities of the job. Then he called out for Ratan. Ratan, I've never been able to give you anything, he said. Now that I'm going, I want to give you this. It will keep you for some time. He drew his entire month's salary from his pocket, keeping only travelling expenses. Then Ratan fell to the ground clasped his feet and pleaded. Dada Babu, I beg you, I beg you, you don't have to give me anything. I beg you, no one should trouble about me. She ran away. The meritorious postmaster sighed. Then he swung up his carpet bag, balanced his umbrella on his shoulder and accompanied by his blue and white striped trunk on the head of the village porter, walked slowly towards the boat. Once aboard, with the boat cast off, the rain-swollen river struck him as tears flooding up from Mother Earth. He felt as if a boundless sorrow had pierced his heart and overwhelmed him with vague, all-pervasive grief. The face of an insignificant village girl hovered in his mind, Just once, he thought, I'll go back. I'll bring that poor forsaken soul away with me. But then the wind filled the sail. The keen monsoon current bore swiftly on. The village dropped out of sight and its cremation guard came into view. In the hardening heart of the detached traveller there dawned this fundamental realisation. Life is full of partings full of death. So what is the point in retracing one's steps? Which of us can ever know who belongs to whom in this world? But no such philosophy arose in Ratan's mind. 
awash with tears, she wandered round and round the post office shed. Possibly a faint hope lingered that her Dadababu would return, and so she could not tear herself away. Alas for the foolish human heart, it cannot avoid making such blunders. Logic is slow to penetrate it. It distrusts proofs, however absolute, clutches at false consolation until the severe all its arteries and suck its lifeblood. Only then, finally, does the mind become aware of its errors. But the heart continues eagerly to fall into further nets of entanglement. Now here's Lisa Allardyce, editor of Guardian Review. So Anita, thank you very much for that beautiful reading of The Postmaster. Can you tell me why you chose this particular story? I chose it because it's such a small gem, almost as perfect as a dewdrop. It belongs to a particular phase of Tagore's life. He was a young man when he wrote it, not a famous writer at that time. In fact, he was sent by his father who was a very wealthy landowner, to manage the estates in the north of Bengal. And this was a period when he lived on a houseboat with his family and they would travel up and down the rivers and canals of that area. And uh, he would stop in these little wayside villages and um, listen to what the villagers had come to complain of or to ask for. And they would tell him all these stories about their life. And in fact, in one of the letters he wrote from one such village was to say how the village postmaster had interrupted him and come to talk to him and what a bore he was and how impatient he was to see him off. And I think this is a story he wrote that came from this encounter. And um, I think it reveals so much of... Tagore's particular gifts as a writer, his sensitivity, firstly, to the landscape which he loved, the Bengal landscape, and then to the human beings that he met. He seemed to see so deeply into their souls, really, and this tiny story seems to encompass all these gifts that he was to later on build upon and out of which he wove much longer novels and such a great body of poetry. There's this wonderful comic irony running through it where you you know that this postmaster is a bit of a bore and his infuriating insensitivity to this poor girl who is there. I wanted to stress really Tagore's sense of humour, which is certainly an element in this story. He makes fun of this postmaster and yet he's not blind to what the little girl is suffering. What does it tell you about, what does it tell us about India at this time? I think it was written in 1891, wasn't it? That's right. You know, I think if you went into the rural areas of India, you would come across many such villages, what he calls insignificant villages, and you would come across many lives lived in 
on this level, it hasn't gone away. It's just that the metropolitan life in India has grown so much and spread so much that one is now uh, unaware of it. But I think you could still find such a place if you took the trouble to travel as Tagore travelled in those days. Of course, Tagore also belonged to a, a time of much greater leisure, a much calmer pace of life. And I think that calmness and that way of life also finds an echo in this story. I don't think it could be written in the same way today. And he was very good on, on the plight of women as well, wasn't he? Which is something exactly. you've written about exactly. so wonderfully yourself. He um, belonged to a reformist movement in Bengal in the 19th century. One of the main pillars of that reformist agenda was really the education of women. And de Gaulle felt very passionately about it. In story after story, he writes about women who are extremely intelligent and have a great potential which is never recognized, which is stifled by a very patriarchal society. This is one story that does show uh, the the beginnings of that uh, reformist passion that he had. Um, there's the heartbreaking line where it says that she's 12 or 13 with no hopes of marrying. No, as an orphan girl with no dowry, she could never marry in such a traditional society. Also, Love. there's such cruelty in the way that he starts to give her an education, education and then without a thought drops it and walks out of her life. I don't know if you're aware that the Bengal, Bengali film director Satyajit Ray made a film of this story. It was probably one of the most perfect of his films. It's uh, one of a trilogy of stories that he called Three Daughters. I would love to see that. I haven't it, it seen it. It is so hopefully. utterly exquisite. Strangely enough, or maybe not so strangely, Ray and Tagore seem to be entirely in tune with each other, separated by so many years, by decades, but they seem to have exactly the same sensibility. Tagore showed it in his writing and Ray in his films, but it was a perfect partnership. And you, of course, are perhaps now the most celebrated living Indian short story writer. Were you influenced by his work? You know, I came to it rather later in life, at a certain point when I'd already been writing and had, I suppose, published a few books. I was asked to write an introduction to some of Tagore's work. And then I, that was when I started reading him. And I wrote introductions to several of his uh, volumes of work and became very interested in his life too. He certainly seemed to understand the situation of Indian women, although his own situation was so very different, being wealthy and successful and um, so respected. But he seemed to have a great feeling for the women in the background. Certainly that, that did uh, find an echo in me. It's, it's what I knew very well. And you are, of course, um, a great exponent of the short story itself as a form. Why why does it appeal to you so much? Actually, I think of myself as a novelist rather than a short story writer. But um, a novel is such a different enterprise. It requires such a long journey and a huge amount of 
stamina and persistence and stubbornness too. And sometimes one wants to take a little uh, holiday from it to do something for the sheer joy of writing. And I think that's the short story. It's more like writing a poem, something you do at one throw. Um, it's a fragment, and all you have to do is to present that fragment as perfectly as you can. So it has a completely different satisfaction in it, and I turn to it from time to time. But it's it's not something that I've pursued the way I've pursued the form of the novel. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.